Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Detlef Behrens, founder at Bay Pharma. A PhD pharmacist, Detlef is a very experienced industry professional, having spent 20 years in the pharma space. He's worked for several global CDMOs and is one of the rare breed that has seen drug development from both the CRAMS CDMO side and, of course, the drug development sponsor side as well. Hey, Detlef, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, Roman, thanks. Uh, and uh, thanks for the invitation and the opportunity to talk with you. Great. It's, uh, it's great to catch up with you again and have you on the show. And, and just to start off with, uh, Detlef, do you mind telling the listeners a little bit about you and, and what you do at, at Bay Pharma? Yeah, so Bay Pharma is a, I'm always calling it as a Twitter company. So we have uh, uh, our historical consulting business. And I think these are two, two things. One is we're focusing a bit on uh, added value products, um, are very difficult to get products. Well, we are helping marketing companies to find products or development companies to find marketing partners. Mm-hmm. The second part of the consulting is um, uh, we are supporting uh, companies in their supply chain management, mainly looking into these old, older legacy products, which have a lot of hurdles and issues in the supply chain and, and companies often don't have resources, I think, to, to focus on that. And we try to look into it uh, and mitigate the risk in the supply chain, um, potentially find new CMOs for that and, uh, and make it safe and secure in terms of supply for the next three to five years so that uh, these companies can move on with uh, um, just selling it on the market. The second part of uh, Bay Pharma is we are a classical biotech company with an innovative dermatology compound in uh in phase three clinical study right now great and and you you were a pharmacist uh from from university and and obviously that 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 ultimately led you into the sector do you mind kind of explaining how you ended up in this space and and decided presumably not to uh not to go and work in a chemist (laughs) retail shop it was it was interesting so i did my phd in the area of pharmaceutical analytics Mm -hmm. And that's then, I think, the classical pathway is to start uh, your job in quality control, which I did. And um, the facility I was, uh, I was uh, working um, in, um, that was, uh, it was sold to a CMO. And um, once that was clear, I think probably being in the, in the industry for, for seven, eight months, I think the site head was asking me if I'm interested, I think, to... Uh, taking over the job as uh, as a salesperson, I think later on he told me, okay, he has selected me because I was the most extroverted pharmacist in this team. <laughs> the, the basic um, uh, qualification for me, not knowing anything about contract manufacturing, uh, not knowing anything about sales, but I moved into it, and uh, at the end of the day, I was uh, I was very happy, I think, to uh, to make that step because I'm probably not the SOP guy. Uh, sitting yeah. in an office writing SOPs. I'm always happy that there are plenty of people uh, out uh, uh, keen to do that. That means, okay, I, I'm, I don't need to do that. That's perfect. Yeah, and you've had the opportunity to work for some pretty sizable 
CDMO businesses uh, in different parts of the world, in, in Germany, in the UK, and also in India. I'm just kind of curious to know how, if you've seen any differences in how those businesses approach the market or how they operate differently and, and maybe what you've managed to learn from, from those experiences. I think it was, it's, uh, it's less, I think, um, uh, where, where a company is based, it's more than, I think, it, uh, the, the mentality and the mindset of people. Uh, because even, I think, let's say if you, if you, all these uh, organizations are, some, uh, are somehow global organizations with people in, in different locations in the world, um, so you have that, uh, that, let's say, the cultural impact uh, everywhere. But it's, it's more than, I think, uh, what's, what's a business attitude, I think, how they, they intend to focus on customers or how they intend to um, execute projects. That was the, uh, the more, I think, differentiating learning uh, out of that. Okay, interesting. And, I, and obviously, I wanted to talk in a little bit more detail. I think, you know, as I said at the start, what I really love about your experience is that you have that dual experience of both working for a contract service company and obviously now on the kind of sponsor biotech side. And just just tell the listeners a little bit about particularly what you've learned about dealing with the supply chain as a drug development company and, and what that's what insights that's giving you maybe you wish you knew 10 15 years ago um so yeah if you could if you could talk a little bit about that i think it would be insightful for everyone that's in the in the contract service space particularly on the on the vendor side yeah i had i think um during my first time when i was working for various uh, contract manufacturing organizations in sales i had a very interesting and uh, and, and fascinating opportunity to join a a procurement think tank called the Beyond Group, uh, set up by some uh, some former senior procurement executives from uh, uh, from the Basel area. So I was the only, I think, uh, participant in that uh, think tank coming from the CMO industry. But I thought, it's, uh, from right from that time, it's if you want to do sales and if you want to deal with uh, with the procurement organizations at your customers you need to understand okay what is driving them i think what's important for them mm-hmm. where, where their needs are i think where their focus is on and i think uh, without knowing this i think you can't be i think a good a good salesperson uh, because uh, what you want to do is uh, um, as a cmo sure you have certain capacity and capabilities but um, you need to sell a value proposition to your customer. That's something what is extremely important for me. If you if you just go out saying I want to do business with you, Mr. Customer, um, then it's uh, I think uh, um, then you are always replaceable as a service provider. But if you come with a with a really defined value proposition by exactly knowing what your customer is looking for and what's driving, I think your counterpart then you can really uh, put something together what really helps them. Mm-hmm. I had then the opportunity as well to, uh, to, to move to a, a German virtual uh, generic dossier development company to, um, to run their strategic procurement department. Um, so I moved literally the, the, um, the side of the table and was dealing with all the CMOs, um, which was a very interesting experience because it has helped me, I think, to, to look on the CMO industry in a different way. 
I give you one example. I was uh, I was really selling with all my heart blood um, back integrated service, so API and product uh, um, completely from one company. Mm-hmm. And when I was in procurement, I thought it's okay. This is a thing from a risk mitigation uh, standpoint. That's um, that's by far not a good opportunity. So what what I think now is okay. You just need to uh, really look into partly splitting your supply chain to de-risk it, mm-hmm. and as well, if you really if you if you give everything at uh, at uh, on your project to one one partner, a I think. Uh, if they fail, I think your entire project fails. And second, I think with the uh, with the more uh, complicated projects we're seeing nowadays, um, none of the service providers has the uh, uh, the deep expertise in all the areas. It's not a criticism; no one can do it. Yeah. But then it's always the question: Okay, what do I want? I think uh, um, just give it to someone. I think to to someone execute it. Mm-hmm. Or select, I think, for the critical steps, the best possible um, uh, service partner with the right expertise, and, and then having a slightly more complicated supply chain. Interesting. So you obviously you have a, a very fragmented supply chain market at the minute. And at the top end, you have the the big kind of one stop shop, you know, end to end CDMOs, and then at the other end of the market, you have these kind of uh, real specialist. Mm-hmm deep domain expertise in a particular t- technology or do- dosage form. So your approach, uh, either from Bay Pharma or just generally would be to... to in general, I think it, it, that's my general perspective now, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. And I have to say, I, I, I kind of, I mean, I see the benefit of both. And uh, at the same time, you know, it's risk mitigation, you, you mentioned, is a really interesting topic, particularly at the minute now with, yeah. with you know, at a time of recording, we're in there you know, the midst of a, of a global pandemic. And, and how, do you, how do you envisage the supply chain evolving and changing off the back of COVID and, and how that might impact the, the kind of CMO and CDMO space? I, it's, it's an interesting question because I'm, uh, um, right now I can't travel, so I just have to do a lot of phone calls, uh, talking as well to, to a lot, I think, uh, larger companies as well on their Let's say experience um, uh, and, and and the impacts on uh, COVID nineteen on the supply chain, and um, the ones I think who or or bunch of companies have already I think um, moved to a strategy of uh, at least having a second supplier, one probably in the uh, India China, mm-hmm. uh, utilizing I think the cost benefits. And another supplier in, in Europe, in the US. There are some other companies, I think, who really, I think, were, were purely focusing on uh, getting the lowest price. Mm-hmm. They have significantly higher impact, uh, over higher impacted by, by COVID 19. And uh, it start, there's a start of uh, um, a thought process to, to, as well, here establish uh, uh, at least for a couple of products a second uh, supplier. It's clear if you have a very um, very small scale product uh, where, where it's difficult to justify as a, a, from a financial perspective a second supplier, mm-hmm. then you just need to uh, work differently with uh, stockpiling and all these things, which makes sense. Uh, but if there's an option, I think uh, you, should, um, you should have a second source. 
And my, my view is COVID-19 is probably, I think, the first pandemic we have seen. I'm, I'm a strong believer we will see in the next, whatever, 10, 20 years, additional pandemic uh, cases. And that doesn't mean that these will definitely always come from China. It can happen everywhere. Mm-hmm. So to, to say everything needs to go to Europe or the US, so then we are safe. That's not the case. So we just need to think differently on, the, uh, on, on these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting viewpoint. I mean, one of one of the guests that we had on the show uh, a few weeks ago talked about um, he he envisages a more localized supply chain potentially coming off the back of this. So it's an interesting um, comparison where his belief is actually what you might see is less globalization, more you know if you're if you're in I don't let's say you're in Germany. Uh, like yourself, that you have, you try your best to get a supply chain locally. Uh, I'm not, I'm, you know, I can see that I can see the arguments of both sides. Do you think, do you think people will still look for global suppliers? And uh, you know, and, and as you said, like that, that interesting okay. point about having, you know, a supplier in the eastern one in the west, for for example. Roman, I think we we need to. I think we will ought to. Th- to believe we can skip uh, and move away from a global supply chain, this is not working. Mm-hmm. A, I think if we're just looking on some uh, um, uh, important uh, traditional medications uh, like uh, like beta lactams, I think they are mainly coming out of China. So I think either you you have two options. You can say, okay, we don't want to have any uh, beta lactams anymore. Yeah, but then we can skip, I think, China, or if we want to have them, and let's be honest, we need them, I think uh, we will have China. There's a, there was that announcement from, I think, the, the European Union, I think, stating a key that we should uh, bring back the manufacturing of essential medications uh, to Europe. And uh, in my view, for sure, I think we have the infrastructure, we have the facilities. Well, as long as the payers uh, or, or slash the government is not willingly, I think, to allow, I think, uh, um, higher prices for such medications, I think that will never work because yeah. the prices are so extremely low that no one is able to uh, uh, manufacture it out of Europe. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. And I'm sure we could talk all day <laughs> just about this subject alone. And uh, so you started at the start of the call, you started talking a bit more about, about Bay Pharma. And obviously there's, you might not be able to go into huge detail, but can you tell the listeners a little bit more around, you know, what's, what the current phase is and, you know, what the current development looks like for you guys? Yeah, as I said, so we have an innovative uh, dermatology compound. It's drug repurposing, so a generic molecule, or generic API, a patented a new formulation and a new indication. And uh, um, yeah, I think we, we took over that project and uh, um, we had to sort all the, the technical hurdles and as well set up a supply chain. As you can imagine, I think it's not a straightforward, simple white tablet. Uh, it's the topical product with a lot of technical hurdles. Uh, so we had to, to sort these, uh, had to uh, set up a supply chain for that, allowing us, I think, to, uh, to, to do in future supply across the world. Um, that's all what we, what we have done. And I think we are in the, uh, in the clinical phase three Great. And, uh, and hoping then to, uh, to have that ready, I think, uh, and all the data available in the, uh, in the second half of the year, more towards, I think, end of Q3, uh, beginning of Q4. 
Excellent. That's very, very, very It's exciting. too large for us as, as, as often for biotech. So we are, uh, we are looking for partners, I think, to, uh, to take that uh, project on board then. Great. And, and how was that, I have to ask, the process of setting up your own supply chain? That must have been quite a fun position for you to be in, given your experience. Yeah, it, is, it, is. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was an interesting uh, position. Um, but I think that, but it was as well challenging because it's a, it's a very special API and uh, let's say the number of potential CMOs was uh, was anyway very small. So um, it was a very an intensive screening process just to identify potential suppliers. Mm-hmm. Once we had them, I think it was a, a, rel- a relatively straightforward approach, I think, to select the right CMO, but to find first, I think, CMOs capable and willingly to do that was uh, was a bit challenging but mm. if it's easy then everyone can do it that's uh, uh, that's my philosophy you're listening to molecule to market where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space and in, are you, again, if you're allowed to say, is there any impact on your trials, for example, at the minute with, with what's going on? Are you envisaging any slowdown of your trials or, because I imagine that's, I mean, what, you know, you read a lot about that at the minute. Yeah, I think we, we, we had a bit of delay, but I think uh, we are on track now and uh, I think uh, that's, uh, that's fine, I think. Uh, Great. So, I think I've, I've heard from other companies, I think their impact, well, uh, the impact on COVID-19 on their clinical studies was significantly more important uh, and, uh, and and challenging for them yeah but that, that but nevertheless i think even even i think being on track now uh, we always had to uh, to think about a plan b and a plan c i think in our minds mm-hmm. just to be prepared on everything what uh, whatever could happen yeah but yeah luckily i think uh, we, we still have plan a <laughs> good and you you strike me as a very entrepreneurial person. Is that a fair a fair comment? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's always uh, let's say something what what is new, what is uh, uh, not the traditional way. Uh, that's something okay. What is uh, uh, what excites me and uh, and drives me and uh, yeah, my business partner Nilesh, uh, um, he has the same mindset. And uh, a while ago, I think we we both agreed. Once someone is saying that's the way how we ha- we are doing it since twenty years, uh, then then it's for us a starting point to say okay, then we completely then we will do it completely different. <laughs> just, uh, I'm, I'm my you know my 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 belief is okay. There are too many people in the farm industry just hiding behind the statement. Oh, it's such a regulated industry. We can't do it differently. We can't do it faster or whatever. These are just excuses from um, from from my perspective. I think uh, if if we do things with a slightly more open mindset and slightly different, and just willingly to take over a certain risk, I think we can do things significantly faster. Oh, I love that. Love that attitude. And I think that that kind of positive, disruptive thinking is exactly what what this sector sector needs. And uh, so if if you could go back in time and give your 25 year old self some advice, what, what would you, what would you say to 25 year old Detlef? Relatively simple, I think, stay open-minded mm-hmm. and uh, um, 
just I think, um, and success is always, I think, a mixture of uh, um, hard work. I think nothing comes for free. So you just need to invest always a lot of time. I think you need to have a certain, certain knowledge, which you, which you just get from your education, which you need to build up. So that means as well, as I said, being open and, and always trying to learn. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I think, okay, if you want to be entrepreneurial, I think you just need to have some luck. Yeah, that's that's yeah. to be honest. I think, I think my leg is okay. I found uh, I found Nilesh. Uh, um, we have the same view of thinking, uh, so it's it's a great uh, cooperation with him and, and very complementary. And when I had the option, I think to um, to uh, to start an own business, and that's the same with uh, with, with Nilesh. So we we just took the risk. Mm -hmm. uh, there is always a risk, but I think without uh, a risk, I think you can't win anything. Uh, and and the second thing is okay. We had the luck, I think, to find that project. Mm -hmm. uh, and and third is okay. We had the luck to find an, a, a private investor, I think, uh, who is participating in uh, in Bay Pharma, who's funding the project. And if you think that we have uh, just created Bay Pharma slightly more than three years ago, and uh, at the end of a clinical phase three study, I think uh, we can't complain. Yeah. That's a lot part, I think. Yeah. That's great. And, and just so I know, so the structure of Bay Pharma, is it, is it a classic virtual company where it's just you, Nilesh, and a big supply chain? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two people's company, and uh, we're we using, uh, we using consultants at the moment. I think uh, the, Nilesh and I had an interesting discussion. Uh, um, so years back, I think uh, people were just... Uh, um, uh, defining their success uh, on how many people they have in the company. <laughs> but, uh, but this is a thing, um, that's not a thing what we want. So for sure, I think uh, um, if our project is successful, then we, we will hire potentially some people uh, um, if we move on. But on the other hand, is we, we had a bit of a discussion if, if, if the project manager is required or not. But, you know, if you're a small biotech company with, with one project, then it's, what we believe unfair to um, to hire someone, tell them, okay, we are a great company and whatever, and, and that person joins, they he has a, or he or she has a family to feed, a house to pay, and then after a couple of months, we say, oh, I apologize, I think we have a failure in the clinical study, we need to look for something else. Yeah. This is not fair, that's not what you, what you can, what you should do. So if, if you decide for yourself, I want to be uh, um, uh, working for myself, I want to take over that risk, that's perfectly fine. But I think you can't expect that from everyone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned Nilesh, your business partner, a, a couple of times. Let me ask about that relationship and how do you guys complement each other? And is it, is it almost a friendship now, um, if, if you're able to talk about it? And, and actually, how did that come about? Did you guys just hit it off immediately? Yeah, I think Nilesh and I know each other, I think, even, uh, so we both worked in, in Hamburg together in the company. So we, we know each other even from the time before, because I was trying to sell him certain CMO services. Um, Successfully? We, yeah, we, huh, we worked to, uh, we, we, I was trying to sell him certain CMO services in the past. So we know each other for a couple of years. But then I think when we were at the company in Hamburg, we were just uh, intensively working together um, uh, on, on a couple of projects. And then we have realized okay, that we have the same thought process on, uh, on projects, on, uh, uh, on the project evaluations, so on. 
And yeah, then at the outcome, I think we decided, okay, let's, uh, uh, let's move together. What uh, Nilesh, I think he's as well a pharmacist, but I think he has, he has an advantage I don't have. He has an MBA as well. Mm -hmm. so I'm always uh, uh, stating, okay, he's our um, chief finance officer. He's our uh, chief technology officer because whatever uh, needs to be sorted on IT or whatever, I think he's the absolutely right person and just guiding me what to do, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. As well, I think what, uh, what he did, I think uh, uh, absolutely outstanding. I think he was so, one of the gaps we had both together were, uh, were clinical studies, but Nilesh really deep dived into that. So he's as well, I think uh, now our, uh, our chief medical officer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, with the background uh, I have, I think uh, my job is uh, more than the uh, uh, the chief scientific officer, just looking on all these uh, technical developments, um, head of supply chain. Okay, although I was referring earlier, I think I'm, uh, I'm, I don't like to write SOPs, but at the end of the day, I'm as well our head of quality. <laughs> uh, um, and as well, I think over the, uh, the, the, the years in the business, I have a huge network of, uh, of contacts which we can utilize, I think, when uh, when uh, when start talking or when we are intend to talk to companies. Yeah. So I'm bringing in as well the network, uh, allowing us to um, to immediately start with the right uh, people. Uh, 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 all the discussions we want to have. So, so two founders with lots of hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's that's what what it is. I think if you if you start your own business, but as well, that's the exciting piece. Um, you just have to do it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Taking it away, you don't have an, an admin or whatever where you can just push things uh, through. You just have to do it yourself. But that helps as well, I think, to uh, to learn a lot of things and to just just get that holistic view. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, quite recently, actually, a colleague of mine, I can't remember what they were asking me about. They said, "Oh, who did this document? Or who wrote this?" And I said, "Oh, it was me." And they were like, "But you don't know anything about it." Was like HR or finance or something. I was like, yeah, I know, but this was seven years ago. There was, I, was, I was head of HR, I was head of finance, I was head of marketing, I was head of everything because it was only me. <laughs> you, you created your own company, so that, that's the way you think how to do it. So at some point in time, for sure, thing, then you will have a chance, I think, to bring in someone on board who's more experienced than yourself. Yeah, that's I think uh, at least it helps, I think, to have a basic understanding of things. Every, yeah. That's as well important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's funny what you said before around your innovative mindset towards, say, the drug development sector. I mean, I, I take that similar attitude towards, towards every aspect of business. And you look at, say, financing. Well, we always do accounting this way. We always do finance that way. And I always look at it and say, well, what? that doesn't make sense to me. Why don't we do it this way? Because I bring a completely different perspective, which makes no sense. And you know, my financial director absolutely can't stand me probably because I keep making his life a misery, but it is just bringing that, that different. But, you know, this is the good thing is so um, whenever we have ideas, I think uh, we just uh, uh, intention is to find a quick solution. And uh, uh, there is never a discussion uh, between Nilej and myself. Does it make sense? Or uh, we, we never had these discussions because we always pretty easily agree on let's do it. Yeah. yeah and find a solution for it so we know what we want and we just need to find a solution for it yeah i love that and i've got i've got a few more minutes left of your time so i just wanted to ask um how would your best friend describe you in three words um 
probably I think honest and demanding. <laughs> <laughs> Very good and good fun probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think, but, but you know, I think that's a point. I'm I'm a believer. Even I think if I'm working uh, with uh, uh, with customers, it's important to tell them. I think what uh, what you think, what the and, and what you believe the truth is, and not what uh, what the other side want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's reliable. Either if it's a key in a CMO industry, just to be open and honest, saying, "Okay, I'm I'm not able to support you on that project." Mm-hmm. Better to, it's better to say no than always to say, instead of always saying, "Yeah, that's perfect. I think we can do everything." Yeah, because yeah. no one's able to do that. And as well, I think whatever we do, if I believe it's a key, that's a wrong decision. I'm let the customer know that what what I'm thinking. It's their decision, I think, in which they, uh, direction they want to go. But I think, at least, I'm uh, I'm in that uh, sense open, honest, and transparent. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that I'm sometimes uh, just, let's say, as you personally know as well. I think if you start your own business, uh, it means okay, um, you have to do a lot. I'm always working a lot, um, <laughs> probably too much. And and the challenge is that I'm uh, expecting this from other people as well, which is uh, not always fair. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, it's 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 a, it's an interesting point that I have to say. I mean, my, one of my uh, fellow directors always says to me, "I get frustrated when things aren't done quickly enough," and she'll often say, "Not everyone's brain works as fast as your brain," and you have to recognize that different people have different working styles and it can be incredibly frustrating as a, as a founder of a business because coming up with ideas is not the hard part. It's you just want to, you want them happy, you know, you want them to be done yesterday. And that's, yeah, that's, 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 the point. that's what I'm, what I, what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last, last few questions. I mean, you, you talked, uh, you know, really articulately about, you know, what's going on in the sector and just generally, and, and, you know, I love your thoughts on, on innovation and trying to look at things differently. I mean, what are the big kind of trends or changes are you seeing in the sector and all that do you expect to see in the sector over the next couple of years? You mean the sector of the CMO industry? Sorry, yeah, like particularly yeah, around contract services and, and CMOs. Yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, I'm not to be sure it's, uh, it's an uh, uh, increasing, I think, demand for external services. There are a lot of statements uh, from even large pharma companies, I think, in the direction of let's focus where our core competency is. And uh, this is not always manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I stated at a couple of uh, conferences what I believe is the current dilemma is as long as the large or the pharma companies would know what their core competency is, then they would know what they should outsource. Yeah, so that's a criticism towards the pharma companies. And, and the same is valid for the CMOs. As long as the CMOs would know what their core competency is, they would know what they should insource. And I think that's, uh, uh, that's what I see as a bit as a, as a biggest challenge. A lot of the CMOs are, are private equity funded, which is somehow okay because I think there is a... Um, there is room for additional acquisitions, uh, potentially uh, investment into new technologies, but they are, I think, very keen uh, to, uh, to increase the business as fast as possible, which would mean is okay that these uh, CMOs often just have to take on every project they can get, which 
does not support uh, the my view that uh, no CMO is capable to do everything. Mm. Um, um, they just have a certain core competency. So sometimes it would be better, I think, to uh, not to grow as fast as possible, but focus on the right projects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a bit what I'm seeing as a dilemma. Yeah, um, and I think there is a um, there is an ongoing consolidation um, of uh, of CMOs uh, towards larger groups. They they have their uh, definite justification, I think, to deal with the larger pharma companies, and I can see really the value for the larger pharma companies in such large um, CMO groups. But if they are the right partners for smaller biotech companies, um, I doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, because um, they 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 have to be um, more unflexible because they they need to have certain uh, fixed processes in such big uh, CMO organizations, and a biotech company I think um, they just need to um, they just need to change uh, constantly I think uh, the the approach I think the um, the required work and everything and they just need to have flexibility. And if you then deal with a larger CMO and always getting feedback, some um, like, yeah, but this uh, is not something we can, oh, we, you need to follow that uh, specific processes, um, then it is something, okay, what is often not working for biotechs. Mm, that's great. I, I, re I really love the insight there around, uh, you know, the speed at which a lot of these companies have to grow because they're paying back, but taking on things that are not in their wheelhouse because, and I, and I do think, you know, across any business, actually, I think that's a very dangerous game to play. When you take projects on that are, you're kind of sitting there thinking, eh, we can maybe do this. It often leads to tears and <laughs> problems down, down there. And then final question, just, you know, is, is there any more, is there any requests or comments that you've got for the listeners? Uh, where can they find out more about you in, in Bay Pharma? Yeah, I think we have a website, but I think there's not too much on. So um, best is uh, just if they really want to want to know a bit more about us, I think they can reach uh, uh, reach us. And I think website is uh, bayfarmer.de. Uh, so I'm always stating I think we are not on the bay, uh, not in the Bay Area, and not on the West Coast. I think we are on the uh, on the Baltic Sea, uh, side <laughs> of Germany. I think in the north. But there's a day as well, so that's why. <laughs> All right, Detlef, as always, an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you for making the time and being a guest on Molecule to Market. Hi again. Thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and we will see you again next week. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.